Hello everyone, welcome back to Mostly Essays and uh, today we'll have a look at a previously visited collection titled My Southern Journey, True Stories from the Heart of the South, author Wick Bragg, the New York Times bestselling author of All Over But the Shouting. He won the 1996 Pulitzer Prize for Future Writing and he's also a professor out of the University of Alabama. Today we'll look at an essay that was published back in uh, December 2013 uh, in the Southern Journal, uh, Southern Living, a story or essay titled, Oh Christmas Sock. I wondered until I was about 21 why they call them stockings. They were not stockings. Stockings were something women wore to church or when they were going out. They came in a kind of nondescript tan or if you had com completely forfeited your immortal soul, fishnet. I often wondered why they were called that too, because even a fool could see they were useless for fishing, maybe in queen size. Anyway. What we hung up by our chimney with care were not stockings. Actually, we didn't even have a chimney, so Santa had to be let in at the front door. What we hung on our wall to the left of the cedar tree that we had liberated from the state highway right of way were socks. They were white, knee-high, three stripes at the top of the classification known as tube. Now children, nowadays, children call them old school. They came from the cloth barn in Hoax Bluff, Alabama for $3 a packet and a packet had like 400 pairs, you know, but back then you could also get a wheelbarrow of underwear for five bucks and a green stamp. My point is, and it has taken me much longer to arrive here than it should have, is that in my childhood, you could not have Christmas morning without a tube top swaying on a 10 penny nail driven into the sheesh tree. Sheet rock. Imagine Christmas without a fruitcake or firearms or tube stocks. See, you can't. My mother explained that the vast importance of the Christmas sock goes back to the Great Depression. See, it used to be all there was. Well, first came the baby Jesus. But let's explain further. The sock, the sock was, a, was the depository for Christmas chair. If my grandfather had found carpentry work in the mountain south, or at least if he had been unmolested by the federal man long enough to run off some selling liquor, my mother and her siblings would find their socks bulging with an apple, an orange, Brazil nuts, uh, walnuts, and a piece of peppermint candy. This, of course, was at an age before tube socks, but the wool socks of the age did just fine. To my mother and her sisters, it was all they could have wished, all they could have dreamed for or prayed for. Me, I arrived about the same time as the tube socks, one size fits all, and it was bottomless. It held an orchard of tangerines, three chocolate Santas, 1,000 peppermints, and 4,236 walnuts, which was like a little, little like giving a child a hunk of iron to open. The only way to do it was with a nine-pound hammer, otherwise used in railroad construction. And I do not ever remember eating one piece of walnut without looking forlornly at a smashed patty of 
obliterated shell and walnut paste, but I digress. Sometimes my mother even fed a small toy in there, like a plastic Indian chief on a rearing stallion, and my point is it would stretch to hold anything, stretch to hold the whole world, though they, it would, though they would stretch about four feet straight down until they brushed the floor. And sometimes inside that Christmas sock would be a new pair of socks, which caused me momentary consternation, though I still cannot quite explain why. It must be how you feel when you slice into a turdagon. We have stockings now, you know, they have garlands, ribbons, and sparkles, and come from town. You cannot wear them though, and I'm, but I'm not ungrateful. I love my stockings, but they will not stretch a lick.